RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. The government considers further easing of the age limits for COVID jabs. The chief executive says she expects pro-government lawmakers to scrutinise planned electoral reform legislation. And Western government sanctioned China over alleged human rights abuses, prompting a tit-for-tat response. The government is considering further relaxing the age limit for coronavirus vaccinations very soon. It comes a week after the eligible age was reduced from 60 to 30. Joanna Wong reports. The official in charge of the vaccination program told commercial radio that authorities hoped to reach the eventual goal of inoculating everyone over 16. Earlier, a doctor said about half the population would need to be vaccinated by July to help improve the local epidemic situation. Leung Chi Chiu, a specialist in respiratory medicine, told an RTHK program that ideally the government should aim for 70% coverage by then. He also warned against relaxing anti-epidemic measures to avoid a rebound in infections. After reports suggested the government could allow visitors to care homes and hospitals, he said it would take many weeks of work for Hong Kong to see zero daily infections. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, says she's happy to learn that the National People's Congress Standing Committee is holding a special meeting next week to discuss planned changes to Hong Kong's electoral system. She said once Beijing decides on the exact changes, the SAR government would table amendment bills for relevant local laws as soon as possible, so LegCo had as much time as possible to examine them. She said just because LegCo was filled with mostly pro-government lawmakers didn't mean they didn't have to scrutinise the bill. Mrs Lamb says she trusts Henry Tang, the board chairman of the West Kowloon Cultural District Authority, to handle controversial artwork at a soon-to-be-opened museum. M Plus has been in the spotlight for owning an art piece which shows mainland dissident artist Ai Weiwei raising his middle finger in front of Tiananmen Square. Mrs Lamb said Mr Tang, a CPPCC member and former chief secretary, had her full confidence in dealing with the matter. She said cultural work that violated the national security law should be dealt with seriously. The Justice Department has confirmed it applied for 17 sentence reviews last year, of which 16 concerned cases involving the 2019 anti-government protests. Justice Secretary Theresa Cheng wrote in a blog post published today that in 2018 and 2019, the DOJ applied for sentence reviews six times and four times respectively. Of the 17 sentence reviews applied for by the DOJ last year, the Court of Appeal heard and decided on 15 of them. She wrote that the Department of Justice had an important role to play in helping courts impose appropriate penalties and to avoid appealable errors. In a, co- in a coordinated action, a number of Western governments have imposed sanctions on China over alleged rights abuses against ethnic Uyghurs in Xinjiang. The European Union, the United States, Britain and Canada targeted four individuals and an organisation. In response to the EU sanctions, which were announced first, Beijing said it would sanction 10 European individuals and four entities. One of those targeted by Beijing is a German member of the European Parliament, Michael Gala. I think we should, as Democrats, be confident that all dictatorships will at some point come to an end and we should support civil society appropriately and make these things that are happening, these uh, violations of human rights, public so that uh, a broader world audience will look into that and thereby exercise the pressure and encourage Chinese fighters for human rights, be it in Hong Kong or in Xinjiang or in Tibet or elsewhere. 
Australia and New Zealand's foreign ministers have welcomed the sanctions imposed on the mainland officials. In a joint statement, they have expressed concern about what they called credible reports of abuses against ethnic Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities in Xinjiang. Ten people have been killed, including a police officer in the U.S. city of Boulder in Colorado when a gunman fired multiple shots at shoppers in a local supermarket. People said they had to dive for cover or run to safety as a rampage took place. Commander Terry Yamaguchi of the Boulder Police gave more details at a press conference. We had a very tragic incident today here at the King Supers. Uh, there was loss of life. We have multiple uh, people who were killed in this incident. And I am sorry to have to report that one of them was a Boulder police officer. He praised his officers, saying their quick action averted an even greater loss of life for one suspect is in custody and being treated for his injuries. The United States government says it will ask the authorities in Mexico and Guatemala to find ways of reducing the flow of migrants and asylum seekers reaching its southern border. The U.S. Press Secretary Jen Psaki said there was special concern about the growing number of unaccompanied children arriving at border crossings. Our focus now is on solutions and putting in place policies, including expediting processing at the border, opening up additional facilities, something that you've seen developments on over the past several days and there'll be certainly more on, restarting our uh, Central American Miners Program, which was stopped in 2017. Thousands of kids should be eligible to apply for that so they're not making this journey. So our focus is on solutions and implementing them as quickly as possible. Critics blame the Biden administration for a surge in illegal migration by removing some of the restrictions introduced by his predecessor, Donald Trump. The international charity Save the Children says the long-running war in Yemen is having a catastrophic effect on the country's children. They make up almost a quarter of all civilian casualties and are dying in their thousands from preventable causes. Here's the BBC's Carolyn Hawley. The war in Yemen has created catastrophic levels of need, aid agencies say. Fighting is taking place in heavily populated areas and the conflict is becoming increasingly deadly for children. Save the Children says that millions of them are at risk not only of death and injury, but also starvation and disease. It says children are dying because they don't have enough food or access to clean drinking water. Acute malnutrition not only kills, Save the Children says, it also stunts children's growth and can disable them for life. Meanwhile, Houthi rebels have reportedly dismissed new Saudi proposals to end the conflict in Yemen, saying an air and sea blockade of Houthi-held areas must be lifted first. The Saudis proposed a UN-supervised ceasefire between Yemen's Saudi-backed government and Houthi rebels who were supported by Iran. The call by the Saudis for political talks between the two sides coincides with increasing drone and missile attacks by Houthi rebels on Saudi oil installations. Israeli voters go to the polls today for the fourth time in two years. This parliamentary election will decide whether Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu will remain in power. His opponents say he shouldn't remain in office as he's on trial for corruption charges, which he denies. Officials in Bangladesh say about a 1,000 houses have been destroyed by a fire which engulfed sections of the vast refugee camp at Cox's Bazaar. Dr Billa Isat with Save the Children, who works at the camp, said the cramped conditions caused even more panic. The fire was so massive that it was not controlled initially and it took four hours to control the fire. You know, those Rohingya refugees, they're living in such congested place and there are thousands of households in such congested camp. So it's very panicking situation. 
An independent inquiry in Scotland has cleared the First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, of breaching the ministerial code, the rules which govern the conduct of those in power. She'd been accused of misleading the Scottish Parliament over the way she handled sexual harassment complaints against her predecessor, Alex Salmond. Here's the BBC's Alexandra McKenzie. In his 61-page independent report, the senior lawyer, James Hamilton, said Nicola Sturgeon did not breach the ministerial code in respect of any of the four issues he considered. These included allegations that Ms Sturgeon had failed to record a series of meetings and telephone discussions with Mr Salmond and others in 2018. Also, whether she misled the Scottish Parliament in relation to those meetings. Nicola Sturgeon welcomed the findings and said she had sought to act with integrity and in the public interest. The Venezuelan armed forces say two of their soldiers have died in a border clash with Colombian rebels. 32 members of the Colombian group were detained. Here's the BBC's Leonardo Rocha. The armed forces said they had also seized weapons, explosives and drugs in six rebel camps which were completely destroyed. Several soldiers were injured in the clashes that took place on Sunday in Venezuela's Apure province. Rebel groups as well as criminal organizations involved in smuggling and drug trafficking are known to operate along the border between Colombia and Venezuela, which extends for about 2,000 kilometers. But the size of this operation is much larger than usual. Relations between the two countries have been strained in recent years, with both sides accusing each other of harboring criminal gangs on their side of the border. The president of Honduras, Juan Orlando Hernandez, has been implicated as a co-conspirator in a New York court which found a Honduran man guilty of drug and related weapons charges. The BBC will grant reports. The jury in the trial which has implicated the Honduran president in drug trafficking found the defendant guilty on all the charges, which include conspiracy to traffic cocaine and related weapons charges. Giovanni Fuentes Ramirez, a Honduran, was accused by U.S. prosecutors of bribing President Juan Orlando Hernandez in exchange for official protection. Throughout the trial, the Honduran leader has denied any link to drug trafficking. Via Twitter, he insisted he has overseen a 95% drop in trafficking during his time in office. However, with his brother, Tony Hernandez, due to be sentenced on drug trafficking charges this week, the pressure on him is growing. The mayor of the U.S. capital, Washington, D.C., is pushing for the city to be made this country's 51st state. Muriel Bowser is testifying for Congress in support of a bill for statehood for the Democratic stronghold. While residents can cast ballots in presidential elections, they have no voting representation in Congress. A bid last year passed in the House but died in the Republican-controlled Senate. But with the Democrats now in charge and President Biden backing the initiative, supporters are more optimistic. The German government is extending its current lockdown for a further three weeks and asking people to stay at home for five days over the Easter holidays. Shops will stay closed and many religious events will be cancelled. The announcement by the German Chancellor Angela Merkel followed late-night negotiations with the, with the country's 16 regional authorities seeking ways to break the third wave of the pandemic. Finance and Baidu shares rose as much as 2% this morning in its secondary listing on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. The Nasdaq-listed mainland search engine opened 0.8% higher than its IPO price of $252. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 108.71 yen, the euro stands at 1 US dollar 19 cents and the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars 75 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,506, 371 points down on the previous close. And now with the sports, here's Adam Chung.
The Olympic torch relay is set to begin in Japan this week, with the rearranged Summer Games now just four months away. Organizers had confirmed that international spectators would not be permitted, but now the families of competitors who had hoped to travel to the games in Tokyo received some potentially good news. Details from the BBC's Alex Capstick. When the announcement to bar all foreign fans was made on Saturday, it was assumed that it would include close relatives of competing athletes. Thomas Back, the ISU president, he made a reference to it in his comments when he called it um, unfortunate, but that sacrifices have to be made. Athletes themselves spoke out about how disappointed they were that their families can't attend. But at today's executive board meeting, the issue was raised and Toshiro Muto, he's the CEO of Tokyo 2020, admitted that they hadn't specifically addressed the question of family members. He said it was something they would do, but in virtually the same breath, he warned that as it stands, they will be treated the same way as every other overseas spectator. In other words, they won't be allowed in. So the door not completely shut on um, the mums and dads, the brothers and sisters who were hoping to be in Tokyo to, to watch their loved ones compete, although it's probably prudent for them not to get overexcited about the prospect of being allowed in uh, just yet. In football news, Xabi Alonso has been offered to take over as manager of the German Bundesliga side Borussia Mönchengladbach. Alonso is a World Cup winner with Spain in 2010 and is currently managing Real Sociedad's B team. Football commentator Taufik Khalil says it's clear why Alonso is wanted in Germany. He learned with Guardiola, Benitez, Ancelotti, Mourinho. Um, he has, has such an attitude on the pitch. Um, I'm pretty sure he can do that. And Mönchengladbach is quite a good club to do that. They want to play high, but they give you the time to develop something. And when they really think about getting such a name in who has never coached a, man, a team as an A manager, they know what they get. I'm pretty sure if he will go there, they know what they do. The basketball world has been paying tribute to Elgin Baylor, the high-scoring Hall of Famer who's died at 86. Baylor spent parts of 14 seasons with the Lakers in Minneapolis and Los Angeles, teaming with Jerry West throughout the 60s in one of the most potent partnerships in the sports history. Baylor was the first NBA player to score 70 points in a game and still holds a single-game NBA Finals points record with 61. League Commissioner Adam Silver praised him for being a leading activist during the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s. Charles Barkley called him the most underrated great basketball player of all time. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Adam. And now to end the news, the top stories once again. The government considers a further easing of the age limits for COVID jabs. The chief executive says she expects pro-government lawmakers to scrutinise planned electoral reform legislation and Western government sanction China over alleged human rights abuses, prompting a tit-for-tat response. The news from RTHK. Online scams are everywhere these days. Be careful or you may suffer financial losses. Watch out for phishing emails and fake websites. Don't trust supposed online investment experts who promise to make you money. And beware of online dating scams. The tactics may differ, so take extra care when it comes to parting with your money. Don't fall prey to online financial scams. For more information, visit ifec.org.hk. Hi, I'm Lazy Lion. To fight this pandemic, take preventive measures when commuting. 
avoid rush hours and busy times, and take advantage of flexible working hours. Wear a mask when taking a ride. If possible, open the windows to ventilate the vehicle. Clean your hands with liquid soap and water or alcohol-based hand rub after using public transport or touching public facilities. Social distancing can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Tips for you and me to prevent COVID-19.